Well, it is a special bonus episode of Locked on Zags, previewing tonight's game against the UConn Huskies with Ryan Cassidy. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Ryan Cassidy on this bonus episode of Locked On Zags. Ryan is the host of the Big East Barroom podcast and a contributor at Road to the Garden. Ryan and I are going to preview tonight's game between the Zags and the Huskies. Ryan, I want to start by kind of talking about UConn season as a whole, because this is a team that started out red hot. They were 14 and 0. They had a win over Alabama, win over Iowa state, win over Oklahoma state, a couple other decent wins in there as well. And then they went on a, a pretty ugly stretch to start big East play. I think they lost six out of eight in that stretch, some ugly amount of games. And then they finished the season really well. Did, did something change? What it kind of feels like it was a roller coaster season for the Huskies. Was there was there something in particular that really kind of pushed this season back in the correct direction? No, I mean it's a great question, and um, I think everybody's trying to figure that yeah. out. You know, Danny Hurley obviously wanted to yeah. figure that out. There's a lot of different things that would attribute into that, but you know, Hurley talked the other day about during that stretch they really got away from their identity as a defense and rebounding team. And he's really credited getting back to that identity as as why they've finished the season so strong mm-hmm. and why they've been so good in the NCAA tournament. You know, their offensive rebounded excellently so far through three yeah. games. So there was just like a drop in defensive intensity mm-hmm. in the middle there. And it's been really important for them to regain that. Well, let's talk about the matchup because – I think there's kind of some some similar vibes from these programs just from a personnel perspective. You obviously have two teams that seem to be peaking at the right time, which is always helpful. And usually when you're looking at teams in an Elite Eight for, Final Four type matchup, they're peaking at the right time. That tends to be the case. Uh, but they also have dominant front court players. Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon are, are, are fantastic, have been huge pillars for UConn all year long. Obviously, Drew Timmy is one of the best players in all of college basketball. Anton Watson has been what Mark Few and many players on Gonzaga have described as the team's MVP. So you're kind of looking at two teams with these two really impactful front court players and then teams that have had more question marks in the backcourt. Certainly, Tristan Newton and Jordan Hawkins have been fantastic for UConn at times, but we have also seen them not be as consistent. Gonzaga has had some significant issues with their backcourt this year. Julian Strother has stepped up in a big way in the last month or so, but Nolan Hickman, Rasir Bolton, I mean, they combined to score zero points against UCLA in that game. That's not the kind of situation that you want to find yourself in, even if it led to a Gonzaga victory. So it feels to me like we have two teams that are kind of similar in the way that they match up. Uh, So I'm curious if you agree with that assessment and also kind of what you think that means is going to be one of the bigger, if not the biggest factor in this game. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think um, every UConn fan, you know, not being overly familiar with Gonzaga, the first thing we're looking at is Drew Timmy. Yep. You know, how do you stop him? How do you slow him down? He had 30 something points in Mm -hmm. the game against UCLA. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the defense on him is, is going to be the most important thing that UConn's going to do, putting Dama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon on him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, obviously you have some some wings and guard play that, that has been really solid for you throughout mm-hmm. the year and, and especially down the stretch of that UCLA game. So 
you know, UConn is like, like I mentioned, UConn needs to be defense first. And, mm-hmm. and obviously Gonzaga has one of the best offenses in the country. They have mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, so it'll be, you know, UConn needs to slow them down somehow. Mm-hmm. I want to flip it a little bit and kind of talk about the, the matchup for UConn's offense versus Gonzaga's defense, because Gonzaga's defense has not been good this season. They have had good games. They have had good stretches. They've, their defense has improved dramatically from earlier in the season until now. But at the end of the day, it's still not great. And anybody who watched the first half of the UCLA game can tell you that Gonzaga's ball screen defense struggles and that they, they let guys get to the rim fairly easily. And they don't have, you know, they don't have a Chet Holmgren. They don't have somebody who can kind of be at the rim and help erase some of the mistakes that they're making around the perimeter defensively. Looking at UConn, they, I, I guess I, I'm curious how they run their offense. I have seen them a handful of times this year. I, I think sometimes we have a tendency to lump all of those like low post dominant scoring players into the same category. And they're not all the same player. Like you could look at, let's say Trace Jackson Davis and Drew Timmy's numbers and think, oh, they're, they're similar, but like watching them offensively, they, they look a lot different. They operate a lot different. How does UConn, do they, do they run their offense through Sonogo? Is he more of a low post presence? Like how, how do they get him the basketball? And, and how do you think uh, that might work against Gonzaga's defense? Yeah, so I would say the good news for Gonzaga kind of here is UConn's not an elite half-court offensive yep. team. They're a very good transition offensive team, and they're mm-hmm. a very good offensive rebounding team. Second-chance points is, is where they're looking to make their money. Um, and you also, you mentioned pick and roll defense. UConn uses one of the lowest rates of pick and rolls mm-hmm. of anybody in the country. Um, Danny Hurley is a very, you know, he's been around the game forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, his father's a, a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Mm-hmm. He runs a lot of very complicated offensive sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you get players in the right position? Um, you'll see some high lows for Sonogo to get him the ball on a post. Mm-hmm. But definitely not every play is going through him. Uh, and, and he often makes his money on those offensive rebound putbacks. Were you surprised to see UConn get a four seed in the terms of like, I mean, they were the number two ranked team in the country for a, a huge chunk of the season. Obviously we kind of already talked about that, that lull that they had, but outside of that lull, they were fantastic all year long. And then it felt like a lot of people thought that they may have been underseeded as a, as a four, of course, revisionist history. You can go back and look and say, well, they are, you know, they're here. They advance farther than most four seeds do. They did not play a one seed, but that's not their fault. And they, they pounded, Arkansas really intensely in that game beat St. Mary's a lot in the second half there. St. Mary's was missing a player, but I don't think that Alex Dukas would have made up the difference in that second half for the Huskies. So did you feel like this team maybe got a little disrespected? And now, I mean, I mean, right now, as we're speaking, Ryan, they're the number one team in the country at Ken Palm. Like that, that's not usually something you see uh, with a four seed. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question, right? Um, I think a lot of Big East fans want, were wondering which UConn team we were going to say. Sure. Because the UConn team we saw in, in Big East play for, you know, about half of the season, the Big East season, mm-hmm. had a lot of very strong flaws yeah. on the team. Um, it wasn't flukes that they lost all those games. It wasn't, you know, unlucky stuff. There, were, there was flaws that were very apparent to everybody. And there's a reason that they finished fourth in the Big East and mm-hmm. several games behind the teams at the top of the conference. Um but now that they're playing non-con again, mm-hmm. you know, Hurley has suggested maybe is it a scouting thing? Maybe, yeah. you know, when teams can't scout us, we're really difficult to match up with because of our depth, because mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the athletes we have on the team versus Big East teams that have obviously seen them for years. Mm-hmm. Advantage, uh, potentially advantage UConn there as Gonzaga only gets, you know, less than 48 hours to, to prepare between those two games. I, I want to talk about the Big East a little bit more too, just because, 
Yesterday, we had the opportunity for there to potentially be as many as three teams in the final four from the Big East. Of course, Xavier did fall to Texas, so we just have Creighton, we just have UConn left, but it was a tremendous season for the Big East. And since we've since the realignment happened about a decade ago, I, I think we haven't seen a Big East season with quite this much talent top to bottom. And that's with Villanova having a down year. It's very kind of shocking to see this conference back at this level. And, and you talk about NCAA tournament success. They had more than than just about anybody. How much do you think that that helps a team like UConn? You mentioned it right there. Like they've been scouted by these this conference and those teams really know how to how to beat them and beat each other. Uh, but it sure seems like these teams aren't struggling to beat anybody else. Right, right. No, I mean, it's everything. And so I had the chance to... Um, speak with Sule Boom, the point guard mm. for Xavier, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. We asked him the same question. We said, what does it mean to, you know, play against such tough teams in the conference play all year long so that you're ready for the NCAA tournament? And he said, it's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it gets you ready in a way that is just not – you can't replicate it. Yeah. Um, and so the Big East, you know, they've been playing excellently. They've got, you know, some of the best coaching talent in the country. You add Rick Pitino mm-hmm. to that coaching talent. And they're really loaded top to bottom. It should be a lot of fun the next few years following the conference. Let's let's talk about the the this game specifically and kind of the, the ramifications for it. Because on Friday we saw both Alabama and Houston go down. We have no one seeds left. The highest seeded team left is a two seed in Texas, followed by Gonzaga and Kansas State. UConn in, in many betting circles right now is the favorite to win the championship. How much did those teams losing kind of put more pressure? I mean, obviously, whoever wins this game is still going to have to go through either Texas or Miami to even get to the national championship. Those two teams are are phenomenal and are playing really good basketball right now. But do you think that it kind of upped the ante and put a little bit more pressure on Hurley and Few in this game, knowing that, hey, these, we're two of the best teams that are left in this entire field. And if we win this game, I mean, the chan- every game you win in the tournament, the chances go up. But you got to feel pretty good if you win this one. Right, right. And if I were to give a hot take on your mm-hmm. podcast, I'd say they're the two best teams left in the field, mm-hmm. um, Gonzaga and UConn. So yeah. you don't want to look ahead. You don't want to <laughs> jinx yourself, right? But you're, you're yeah. looking at it and you said, you know, if Houston would have been a really tough matchup for either of these teams. Yeah. Houston's not in the ga- in the tournament mm-hmm. anymore. You know, Alabama has all the talent in the world. If they have it rolling, they're not mm-hmm. in the tournament anymore. You're starting to look at, you know, well, if you think you're the top two teams, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Ryan Cassidy, thank you so much for joining me. Before I let you go, I want to make you – I want to have you give me a prediction on how you think this game is going to go. It can either be a final score prediction or just something about the game. I think Timmy starts off by lighting up the Huskies mm-hmm. and the Huskies go to their seven-foot backup center to try mm-hmm. and shut them down. I like it. I like it. I think that that's uh, it'll be interesting to see how how UConn adjusts to Drew Timmy throughout the game. I think that's going to be a fascinating aspect of this game. Ryan Cassidy, thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate your insight into this UConn team. Uh, We got about seven or so hours until that game tips right now as we're recording this. So uh, hopefully people can can get get some nervous energy out listening to this game because I think it's going to be a really, really big, really, really fun game. Again, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I appreciate it.